Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's episode, I'm joined by a junior from the Worcester State women's hockey team, Anya Laxton. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Anya, and how's everything going? Everything's going great. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. It's an honor, honestly, and I'm very excited to be here today. Yeah, and I'm excited to sort of get to know uh, Division Three uh, hockey players uh, just as well as Division One players because I feel like you guys don't get enough, uh, I guess, media attention. So hopefully this helps out a little bit. But uh, uh, just doing some research, obviously you guys have had a really solid regular season. So um, how is your regular? How has been the regular season so far for yourself with two games left? And uh, I guess what are some positive things you've taken away from this year? So um, this season for myself has gone very well. Um, you know, there's currently a lot of competition on um, my team, which I personally really love because I find that it holds myself accountable and, you know, constantly keeps me motivated to, you know, going hard in practice, even in the classroom as well, because, you know, we had such a strong uh, overall GPA as a team as, as well. Um, and just knowing that our entire team has very similar goals and, um you know, always it's competing against each other as well as against other teams. Um, our our uh, team currently has 15 wins, and before our most recent loss, uh, we had an eight-game uh, winning streak. So, you know, with our goalies both both having over a 9.3 save percentage, um, you know, we're all very competitive and are have all very similar goals in uh, winning and stuff. So, and obviously, being a junior this year, uh, what type of leadership have you tried tried to bring to the team? Are you a vocal leader, lead by example type of player? Like, what, how do you, how would you evaluate your leadership style? So, um, my personal leadership style is definitely um, kind of like lead by example. I also like being very vocal in the locker room. Um, you know, definitely being an upperclassman gives me a little bit more of a confidence boost. I would say. Um, our coach over the summer offered uh, to all the returners on our team to do an Instagram takeover, and um, I was the first one for our team to volunteer and set the bar for the others. And, um, you know, my teammates actually reached out to me and thanked me for displaying that as an example, and um, it actually gave them the confidence to do it to, for them to volunteer after me as well, which um, I really loved as well. as uh, We have a mentor program that we can – kind of like volunteer for, like the upperclassmen get to um, mentor the underclassmen and the incoming freshmen. So um, I definitely wanted to be a part of that, and I volunteered um, because my main goal is to help, you know, all the uh, incoming freshmen as well as even the transfer students and make them feel very comfortable on campus. Yeah, I'm definitely more of, I like the lead by example type of people because I feel like there's a lot of people that like, they say stuff, but they don't actually do it. And I feel like if you're going to say something, you sort of have to follow that. I remember watching the Michael Jordan documentary, and obviously he had a very hard style of leadership. But the one thing he said is he would never ask someone to do something that he himself wouldn't do. And that's sort of how I try to, I guess, if I was a leader, I would try to live by that motto. Definitely. You always want to lead, lead by example. And, you know, if you if you say something, you better follow through with it. Now, you guys got to play at the DCU Center uh, this past week. That was something that I found pretty interesting. Um, I know that game didn't go uh, your way, but how was that experience? Because I've played there before, a uh, really exciting uh, arena. So I'm assuming you had a good time there as well. Oh, my God. It was such an experience. You know, even though the game didn't go our way necessarily, playing at the DCU Center was truly an honor. Um, before the game, on um, before a game, we actually – I got invited to go to the Worcester Sports Management Summit, and I actually heard the general manager um, of the DCU Center 
Sandy Dunn speak, um, as well as met the photographer for the railers and made some great connections there. Um, but the game was for cancer awareness. And, you know, I was playing in honor of my aunt, who's currently in remission for breast cancer, as well as my Nana and my friend who both sadly lost their lives to cancer. So the game truly meant a lot to me. And, you know, we wore custom jerseys that got auctioned off um, and a bit of them, um, a bit portion got donated to Yardology. And I would really like to honestly thank David um, Ray and the Yardology team for donating these custom jerseys and shirts for us because it was honestly awesome. That's cool. My memory from playing there was, I don't know if you had this experience, was so we were technically the road team at the DCU Center. So our locker room was like literally in like a weird, the weirdest area ever. I remember like it was like where the Zamboni was or something. Yeah. It was like some weird. I just remember it was like lawn chairs, like all set up around this. Like I remember it was like we had to wear our skate guards before like a certain point just so we wouldn't get them like rusty. So that was like one of the big things I remember from that experience. That's so funny because, you know, we actually sat on the lawn chairs as well. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was super hot. I don't know if you had the same experience, but it was super hot, actually, because we were, like, below everything. So the locker rooms were super, like, warm and toasty, and our whole team was sweating like crazy. It was really funny, but definitely an experience, a great one. Yeah, for sure. I remember scoring a goal there. That's probably one of my best hockey memories I've ever had was scoring a goal there when I was, like, 12 years old. And uh, RIP to the Worcester Sharks and their junior hockey program, but that was, like, one of my favorite um, hockey memories I've ever had. That, that that sounds like a great experience. And, you know, the goal on top of it, you know, makes me We lost the game, but, like, I'll, I'll always remember that goal, so. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Now, let's transition and talk about the beginning of your hockey career and kind of work all the way up to where you are today. Uh, so it says that you're from Holbrook, New York. So talk about growing up there and how did you start playing hockey? So, um, you know, growing up in New York is definitely a, a big experience. I loved growing up there. Um, my hockey career started at the age of seven, and I played boys um, like rec league, like pickup type games, and then I transitioned into boys travel ice hockey because there's only um, two women's teams in Long Island, and I didn't transition to those teams until the age of 13. Um, hockey, women's hockey in Long Island especially is very small, so um, you only really had two teams to really choose from, so. Uh, the main reason why I started playing ice hockey was because of my dad. Um, my dad uh, was committed to play college ice hockey at SUNY Brockport University, and he sadly decided not to play after the first semester due to the stress of athletics in college. And he doesn't have any regrets in life, but his one, I guess, regret is not playing mm -hmm. college hockey. So it was his dream to watch one of his children end up playing at the collegiate level, and now it's my dream and biggest motivator to keep playing in honor of him and all the sacrifices that he made for me growing up. That's awesome. Who was your uh, favorite player growing up? Was it someone on the Islanders, or was it a women's player on the national team? So, shockingly, I am a Montreal Canadiens fan. I know, oh. it's a little crazy. <laughs> but um, P.K. Subban was actually my favorite player growing up. Um, you know, he's always just a major role model for me and um, not only everything that he's done on the ice, but off the ice as well for like Montreal Children's Hospital. And, you know, his defensive playing style really inspired me to actually be a defenseman after watching him play. How do you handle all those Bruins fans surrounding you on campus? 
You know, I try to um like keep it on the low that I'm a Montreal fan, not let them not let everyone know and you know, if they do know and you know, obviously I do get chirped here and there, but I can definitely take a good chirp because being in the state of Massachusetts and being a Montreal fan is pretty difficult. Yeah, especially now when the Canadians aren't playing that well and the Bruins are the best team in the NHL, so that must uh, suck as well. <laughs> oh no, here we go. It's true. I'm just saying that's that's the standings right now. I'm not saying that anything has. I really know good. they're doing they're doing extremely well. I will give them that. Yeah, I, honestly, like when I was growing up, I did not like PK Subban because I thought the way he treated Brad Marchand was very disrespectful. But then as I've gotten older, I've started to grow a little more respect for him uh, just because I think he had a, I think once he left Montreal, that's when I started to like him more. Yeah. And I think how I sort of like grew to really like him was there was a player, uh, a youth player on another team that was like dealing with racism. And he like made a video for that player, like saying like to not give up on his dreams and stuff. And I just thought that that was really nice. And obviously that stuff goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, um, Kind of like before, he does things off the ice that I've always like, you know, like looked up to as a role model. And, you know, that's just a perfect example of how much of a role model he is, in my opinion. Yeah, because it's so hard to be in the NHL and you obviously have such a spotlight on you when you're in the NHL, especially as a superstar player like he did. And obviously he used his, um, uh, I guess, platform very well and still does because I see him on ESPN all the time. Yeah, he definitely still does. And then, obviously, I love the nickname he gave uh, Jack Hughes. I thought that was uh, pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, every you know he he's given nicknames out all the time. It's he's a very funny guy. He's he has a, he definitely a great sense of humor. Now, before college hockey, uh, it said that you played for Kent's Hill and the Casco Bay Mariners. So, just talk about your experiences uh, with those two organizations and how you got the opportunity to go to those organizations, especially since you said there wasn't a lot of women's hockey in Long Island. Yeah. So, um, I went to Kensville for three years, and you know, I had truly a blast playing there, um, as well as just being there as well at prep school. Um, you know, if I could go back in time and do it all over again, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, uh, I feel as if, you know, prep school really prepared me better for college, um, as well as, like, the hockey training and the lifting schedule and, like, the intense time management skills that, you know, I had to learn at such a young age. It really honestly shaped me into the person that I am today, um, as well as all the connections that I made at Kensill. I mean, it was truly unbeatable. Um, it's really funny because the school is super small, but... All my teammates make fun of me because I'll go to a, another uh, school to play a game or even just, you know, walking around and I'll see, oh, my God, you went to Kensville and, you know, I'll see a friend at another school and they'll be like, the school was so small. How do you know so many people? And I'm like, we're all connected in some t- kind of way. It's, it's honestly crazy. Um, as well as Casco Bay, you know, it was truly such a great experience. And I actually couldn't thank the coaching staff there enough because, Without their knowledge and, you know, collegiate exposure help, I wouldn't have actually been in the current uh, position I'm in with college hockey. So, you know, I had so much fun there as well. A lot of the girls went um, the Division three level, so I'm, I'm still in great connections with them as well. Do you get to play against any of your teammates um, from Kent's Hill or Casco Bay? Uh, yeah, so I actually just played against one of my old teammates, uh, Bree Doobie. She currently plays for Western New England College. Um, she went to, uh, she played at Casco Bay and, um, I currently do not, actually I do currently play against one of my, um, old teammates, uh, Katie Nealon. She currently plays at Castleton and, uh, you know, 
always a great time seeing both of them. Very nice yeah. girls. It must be weird to play against them now after being their teammates for so long. Definitely. I know. It's, you know, I actually currently really, I like playing against them. And, you know, it's almost like you look over and you're, like, trying not to be like, oh, my God, like, I played with you. Like, it's, like you're supposed to be my friend. But, you know, there's still that healthy competition there. And it's a, it's a great time, for sure. Now, you sort of answered my next question, but how did your time in those places help prepare you for college hockey? Obviously, you know, it got you exposure. Um, yeah. But I must, must the prep school route, from what players were telling me, was it's sort of like college where you sort of have class and then have to balance hockey. And usually once you get to college, you sort of know how to t- manage your time, uh, where a lot of other high school students have struggle with that just because they're not used to that time management. So I'm curious if that was sort of similar for yourself. So... I honestly felt as if, you know, like prep school, the time management was crazy because it was a lot more like strenuous. Like you had to be up at eight in the morning for um, a seminar. And then after seminar, you had morning meeting and then mandatory lunch. Like I honestly felt like the time management there um, was honestly more difficult. And it being more difficult kind of gave me more of like, almost like a relaxation type vibe, like going into college and, you know, honestly helped me set my gears right and be like, I already have done all this. Like now I can transition that into what um, it's truly like being on my own and, you know, almost set the the bar for myself. It kind of gave me almost like a self-taught schedule type thing to do. And it really honestly helped me. What's the best memory you have from your high school and junior hockey days? So this is actually um, my funniest memory as well. Um, during my Kent Hill season, um, it was my first game as a sophomore, and they accidentally ordered me a men's extra large shell uh, to put over my pants um, instead of a youth extra large uh, hockey pants shell. And, you know, it was one game I had to wear, it, and it was actually super funny. I beat around the defenseman. It was on a full um, – pull out breakaway and all my teammates were cheering for me and the shell actually fell off mid breakaway and I ended up tripping over it and falling face first into the other team's net and you know it's still something that my coaches from Kensville will talk about to this day because it was a really funny experience. Did you score at all or no? (laughs) I wish I did I mean I think it would have been a little you know better of a story if I did but not that particular time. I feel like if I was the goal, I would, like, honestly start laughing, like, or just be so confused that I would probably just give up the goal because I wouldn't know what's going on. The goalie was actually hysterical laughing and actually, like, tapped me on, like, the helmet and was like, you know, that was really funny. I'm not going to lie. At least you made someone's day, so you can sort of use that. That's how I would view it. Right. right. I And, you know, like, I think we were actually winning at the time, so, you know, the goalie was definitely, like, not in the you know best spirits, but you know after that they were definitely like wow that was they were like that was actually really funny. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one of the better hockey stories I've heard so far. So <laughs> I'll give you that. Definitely an interesting one. Now, originally you played uh, for Becker College, so I'm curious what the recruiting process was like there, and I guess what made you want to go to that school versus the ones you looked at um, during your initial recruiting process. So I actually got recruited to go to Becker College um, out of an East Coast Wizards um, showcase tournament. And the assistant, Raymond Rowe, as well as our um, 
head coach at Becker, Eliza Kelly, who are both currently our assistant and head coaches at Worcester State as well. Um, they reached out to me um, and gave my coach their card after one of my games. Um, and, you know, they showed extreme interest in me from the start. And I really, that was something that I really like, you know, was like, wow, like, this is awesome. And, you know, after communicating with them for a little bit, after, you know, um, all that interest that they showed in me, I decided to then um, tour the school and have a overnight. Um, and, you know, after getting that tour and everyone um, making me feel like so much at home and like the community vibe was awesome. And I really enjoyed the small campus um, feel as well. Um, as well as the uh, way that the team treated me and, you know, the coaches um, treated me as well. Um, I definitely, you know, consider that to be one of the, my top choices and ended up going there almost instantly after the tour and deciding to commit there. Um, I really also love the unique academic, academic buildings as well as, like, the unique, like, vibes of, like, the dorms. Um, it was honestly, like, no other campus I looked at at the time, and it was uh, – truly a great experience. Um, so that's one of the main factors that made me choose Becker College as well as the amazing uh, rank facility at Fidelity Bank Eye Center, which is our current facility at Worcester State as well. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Um, I, I'm also curious, like, what would you take, what would you, what was your experience like for that one year um, on the ice and off the ice? Um, what did you learn from that time? And I guess just talk about uh, your one year at Becker. So, you know, my main my main takeaway from my time at Becker was, you know, to live your life and your time somewhere at the fullest because you never know how abruptly it could actually be taken away from you. And, you know, um, my connections at Becker, I made some lifelong friends and, you know, it was truly an experience. Um, and it was beyond heartbreaking knowing that, you know, our school ended up going bankrupt. But, you know. Um, definitely the main takeaway was to um, live somewhere or live your life at the fullest at, you know, the place that you love because you really never know when it's going to be gone. What was the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey when you were at Becker? Was it the speed of the game, physicality, decision-making? Like, what stood out to you the most and how did you adjust to it? So um, my biggest adjustment that I definitely had to make, I had to make uh, was the speed because nothing really um, prepa prepares you for that, I would say. Um, the game is much faster than it was in high school. Um, so working on my quickness, awareness, and my strength freshman year was my overall main goal. Now, like you mentioned, uh, unfortunately, the school went bankrupt. Uh, so how did you handle that challenge uh, of knowing that your career was over at Becker? And then a sucker punch on top of that is COVID took place that same year. So that's not just one whammy, it's two whammies. So... Uh, how did you sort of handle that challenge, and I guess how did it lead you to come to Worcester State um, being a transfer student? Um, you know, it was definitely a huge and, you know, emotional shock at first. I think our whole team, um, I remember sitting with actually a few of my teammates in my dorm room, and we were all just sort of honestly crying because we were so scared. Um, we weren't even sure if we were even going to be able to finish our, our uh, semester there, so we were, like, really, really, really nervous. Um, but, you know, I can't thank my family and my friends enough for, you know, supporting me and, you know, always having my back in that time period, whether it was a phone call at three in the morning being like, I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, stuff like that. They always had my back and my loved ones really helped me throughout the time. Um, what led me to 
actually transfer to Worcester State is very ironic. Um, so our team found out that, you know, Becker was closing through an email that was sent to us at the end of uh, January 2021. And uh, within a half hour of, you know, that email being sent, our coach texted us instantly and, you know, scheduled a meeting with everyone. Um, and in that meeting, it actually started out kind of as like a joke Um that was brought up to start kind of like, you know, and reach out to Worcester State to see if they would uh, have us as a girls program. And um, we heard that they were like planning on starting one as well. So, you know, we were like, coach, like you should reach out. And, um, you mm-hmm. know, our coach, she always goes above and beyond for us and the extra mile, um, whether it's like, you know, making sure we have the best locker room, the best jerseys, our last names on the back. Um, you know, she even actually subbed in as a <laughs> lacrosse coach for the Becker team, uh, when the, uh, coach, uh, fell ill with, uh, COVID-19 at the NCAA championships. So, you know, I'm obviously beyond thankful for everything that she's done. And our, uh, our coach, Eliza Kelly, was actually able to build the program that we have now, um, at Worcester State, and I chose to, you know, stay with her and, you know, be along for the whole process and, um, you know, all the efforts and sacrifices that she's always made for the team and her um, great coaching style is something that I really, really, really liked. And um, she made the transfer process and the entire um, athletic department, as well as Mike Mudd, made the transfer process for us extremely, extremely easy and, you know, as uh, less stressful as possible. And um would really like to thank them for that as well. Um, as well as, you know, I really liked Worcester State's campus and, you know, the, the academics that it had and all the um, all, all of the, you know, offers that it had for us and really made um, all of me and my teammates on the tour that we actually had there um, feel like home. And, you know, were insanely accepting and wanted us to be there. So it was great. It's kind of tough to find out your college is getting bankrupt through an email. I feel like there would be some sort of announcement, but I guess that's the way things work sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it was definitely a, it was definitely a shock. And actually, I remember uh, vividly calling my dad on the phone, and he was laughing. He was like, "You know, you're you're. I know Anya likes to play pranks on me, but like this is definitely like this is this is a far one. This is really funny." And I'm like, Dad, I promise you, I'm actually not joking. Like, this is for real right now. And he's like, let me see the email. They, He genuinely didn't believe me. And I forwarded him the email. And he was like, wow, like, this is scary. But, you know, you know, I look at it almost as in, like, a positive um, experience because, you know, obviously I had an amazing time at Becker. And um, the the sad part about it is that, you know, even though, like, the school closed down, um, it became a great opportunity for us over at Worcester State, and, and uh, I try to look at it as in a positive note. Now, doing research on your conference, it says that you play in the ECHA, and doing some research on it seems very brand new because I think there's only like three or four teams in that conference. Uh, so just talk about playing there and uh, just talk about, I guess, the competition that you face um, every weekend. Um, you know, in the ECHA conference, uh, Worcester State, you know, is definitely the team to beat right now, um, especially after winning the conference last year. Um, we know that all the other teams are definitely currently out for us and are, you know, always going to step up their games in order to beat us and bring their best at all times. So we know that we, as a program, always have to bring our best and set the pace in the bar. And, um, 
embrace ourselves as well as, you know, the lead position that uh, we currently have as well as uh, set the fast-paced game tempo like we always do. And like you mentioned, last season you won your conference championship over Anna Marie. Uh, what emotions were you going through after winning that conference championship, especially since you went through so much uh, the prior year uh, with the school game bankrupt and sort of going through that process? So that must have been nice to sort of uh, go through one, like, awful emotion to one, like, jo- rejoice, joyful emotion. Oh, yeah, it definitely was. I I vividly remember winning the championship. Um while being like, you know, a first year program was beyond exciting and beyond exciting to be able to tell people. Um, obviously I, I remember like, you know, crying tears of joy with my teammates and, you know, just everyone just jumping on top of each other and hugging each other after, you know, all the hardships that we had to overcome and face. Um, it was especially amazing, um, winning at our home ice as well. You know, the overall atmosphere for the game was you know, amazing, both our fans and their fans. Um, I remember fans hanging off the glass behind the nets um, and, you know, how really dedicated and into the actual game they were. And, you know, um, the team uh, really wanted to perform for ourselves, but as well as our school and, you know, being a new program. And after everything that we endured in, you know, 2021, it was awesome to be able to hold that trophy in 2022. Um as well as holding a banner with my teammates is just something like you're really never going to be able to forget. Um, you know, you know, we all as well put the trophy back in the case on, uh, on campus and, you know, it was a huge marker for our program as well as like, you know, contributing to the success of the history of that our athletic department has felt beyond amazing and truly an unforgettable experience. Now, what are your team's goals and expectations uh, for the rest of the season? Uh, it, seems, it says they have two more regular season games left, so I'm curious if uh, if it's like when the playoffs start. And uh, I guess your goals for those last two regular season games and then when playoffs start, your goals obviously for that as well. Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously our, our main goal is to win those two games and, you know, be 19-7-1, and which would, you know, be awesome and you know, be actually a, a program best for our team, which would also contribute, you know, winning uh, the ECHA tournament, which is our definite goal for right now. Um, you know, um, to be able to win the championship for the second year in a row would be a true honor and a, you know, a real, uh, a real eye opener, I feel, as a, for our program and our team. Um, some other goals just for myself is, you know, to stay hungry and work hard every day and, Keep on, keep on grinding. So we're down a segment I like to call the non-hockey segment. We're asking some non-hockey questions just to get to know you a little bit more off the ice as well as some of your teammates. So uh, first question is, uh, what music do you like to listen to? So I like to listen to a lot of rap and R&B as well as pop. My top favorite artists are definitely Bryson Tiller, Drake, Nicki Minaj, and The Weeknd. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sort of similar to that. I like listening to everything. I don't understand people that like don't listen to only can listen to like one specific genre. Like that, that, I find that kind of crazy. Like I have like like my playlist has like Frank Sinatra, Bruno Mars, then like Drake and Justin Bieber. It's like very all over the place. So um, I definitely I definitely agree with you. Those are some good artists. I'm definitely super similar. I mean, I wasn't really big into country uh, growing up, but my best friend is a big country listen listener so you know i'm actively listening with her and you know learning more and more i I love all all genres for sure 
Yeah, I was the same way with country. Um, it's not really that popular at least up here in the Northeast when I was growing up, but I worked for a baseball team a couple summers ago, and a lot of those guys are from like down south in the West Coast, and country music's huge there, so they'll constantly listen to it, and that's sort of how I got into it was just by listening it uh, from an outside perspective being on that team. Definitely. You, I, you know, that's that's exactly how I pretty much got into it as well. You know, everything is also because I feel like when you, like, when there's a person that you like very enjoy being around and you know it's something that they enjoy you'll you'll learn to enjoy it as well yeah those guys were awesome uh definitely good good guys and some of them just got drafted into the mlb as well so uh well, very cool experience getting to work for that team um down on the cape one of my more uh fond memories in sports so far that's awesome i'm sure you made some real great memories down there and you know um some unforgettable moments for sure yeah, like, honestly, we, we didn't make the playoffs, but I think the best memory I have was, like, that final regular season game we won. I'm not on the team. I was just sort of helping them out, but we won, and then we got to go mini-golfing after, and that was probably, like, one of the coolest memories um, that I remember from that season. Oh, my God. That sounds like a lot of fun. I love mini-golf. Now, what is your most embarrassing hockey moment? I guess it's the pants incident, so I don't know if you want <laughs> There might be something else, but I can give you mine if you want. I would love to hear yours. Uh, so basically, this was youth hockey, and we were doing backward skating drills on the blue line, um, and someone forgot to close the bench door, and I wasn't paying attention, and I fell in the bench, and uh, it was definitely uh, very embarrassed because I didn't want, like, I want, I was the youngest player on the team, so I wanted to seem like I was cool in front of the older players, and that just didn't help at all. But luckily, I wasn't hurt from it. But that was definitely that's the one I remember. Like that, it still embarrasses me a little bit today. But luckily, there's no like videos of it. <laughs> oh my god, I've had my fair share of you know falls. I'm I definitely fall a lot, so I, I can relate to that one for sure. Yeah, it's just it's not my fault though. Someone just didn't close the yeah. bench door. So yeah. um, I don't I don't I I still don't know who forgot to do it. It's probably one of the goalies. They seem to forget about that sometimes. So yeah, definitely not your fault. What is the most overrated holiday and what is the most underrated holiday? So, I know I just passed, but in my opinion, I think Valentine's Day is actually the most overrated um, holiday because I feel like, you know, it's it's just like a profit maker for, like, companies, honestly. it's I don't know. I don't know, like, you know, the exact, like, terminology for that, but I definitely feel like it's definitely a big money maker for them. Um, and I feel like the most underrated holiday has to be Halloween. Um, I know that's like kind of similar, but I'm, I actually really love candy. So, you know, especially when it's free, it tastes much better. Yeah. Uh, my opinion is underrated is probably, um, 4th of July. It's always fun um, gathering around with, you know, family and friends and having a barbecue and there's not many summer holidays. I feel like a lot of them fall in the fall or spring. So I always enjoyed that. It's always fun to be patriotic once in a while. So, and then I would say Super Bowl is also underrated. I don't know if that's considered a holiday, but I enjoy just sort of similar hanging out uh, with family and friends and watching that game. Overrated, I definitely agree with you for Valentine's Day. I definitely think it's overrated. But I will say I feel like a lot of girls love, like, that holiday when they're in a relationship. So uh, I, so it's one of those things, like, if you're a guy, you sort of have to do it. But I definitely agree with you that it's a bit overrated. And as long as you do it more than just on not on Valentine's Day, like just showing appreciation for your significant other, that's all that counts. And Halloween, I think, is a bit overrated uh, just because if you're not into dressing up, like I feel like there's not much for you to do on that holiday because I'm not a kid anymore, so I can't go trick-or-treating. Right, right. 
You know, I com- I completely agree. You know, if you're not big into dressing up, I'm definitely a person who, you know, loves dressing up through my whole life, you know, in costumes and, you know, even dressing up now for, like, you know, very, like, fancy events and stuff. I That's definitely my go-to. So I have some of my, like, you know, best memories as a kid, you know, running around with my siblings and eating candy. Um, so that's why I definitely feel as if it's my uh Yeah, holiday. yeah. I like dressing up for, like, fancy stuff, but, like, being in a costume, like, I don't know, I feel that I, it's just, I don't feel comfortable sometimes doing yeah, it. Definitely. I, I feel like that might, maybe that's a guy thing, I don't know. Uh, getting back to the next non-hockey question is, what is your biggest pet peeve? So, my biggest pet peeve is definitely, you know, people who chew very loud. I have vivid memories of, you know, my mom driving eight plus hours uh, for me and my siblings to a hockey tournament and, and, you know, her chewing on her gum while driving. And uh, her excuse was that she uh, had to do it because she was driving and it would keep her awake. Um, So (laughs) definitely that is my big one for sure. Uh, My big one is probably bad drivers. Um, Unfortunately, in the state of Massachusetts, it seems like all of them are deciding to move up and live here. So that's been sort of an interesting experience. Uh, so I can't stand bad drivers. Like it's, I'm trying my best to like uh, be more calm, but there are times where like someone does something where I, I lose my mind. So uh, that's when the Massachusetts in me gets out a little bit. But that's definitely my biggest pet peeve. I feel you know being from New York as well. I definitely have a slight amount of road rage, so I I definitely can relate to the bad driving part and getting frustrated with that. Uh, if there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play yourself? Um, so I would feel as if I would want um, Kevin Hart to play me because I think he's extremely funny. And I feel like he would make, like, my funny situations even more funny because of, like, yeah. how much of a comedian and a great actor he is. And, you know, I definitely would like for him to play me, honestly. I feel like it would be very funny. I think for me, probably... I don't know. Tom Cruise would be cool because you think he's kind of a badass. So that would be mm-hmm. kind of cool to say Tom Cruise played you in a movie, even though, like, my life isn't that interesting. So I don't know what action scenarios he would be able to pull off, but I'll be interested to see how he would do it. I think he would. Do, I, I definitely think he would do a great job. Now, let's ask some questions about some of your teammates. Who is the funniest on the team? Um, The funniest on the team has to be either um, – oof. Honestly, such a tough question. Uh, my best friend, number five, Kaylee Ryan, or, um, uh, oh, you know, it's, it's a very hard toss up. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Kaylee Ryan. She's, she's the funniest for sure, in my opinion. Now, you probably have the best style on the team, but besides yourself, uh, who has the best style on the Worcester State women's hockey team? Um, I would definitely have to say number 70, our goalie, and really by far. Um, other than me, of course, you know, has yeah. the best time on the team by a landslide, you know. Yeah, number two, number two. <laughs> yeah, number number two, number two. I'm number one, but, you know, she's, she's a solid number two. Sure. Yeah, number two is probably the most impressive because obviously you're you're not even close to number one on the team. So I think I would take number two. That's a good that's a good honor to have. Exactly, exactly. Now, now last non-hockey question is, uh, what is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? So I'll uh, Actually, I'm looking at the news this morning, and I saw that there was actually, like, a rising sea level threat that might pose, like, risks of, like, mass migration, which I find, you know, super frightening. But, you know, with um, 
all like the global warming and stuff that's going on right now, it's, you know, shocking, but you almost want to say, you know, sea, sea levels rising with global warming, it's, you know, it's definitely bound to happen. It's scary yeah. situation. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I guess the most interesting thing that I saw was, one was the Kelsey brothers playing against each other in the Super Bowl. I just thought that was pretty cool. And then I saw a cool video of someone's, like, doing a thing called trying to get rejected, where he would just go up to random people and ask to do weird stuff, and the goal was him to get rejected. And I thought it was actually a really good lesson into it. It's just sort of, like, never be afraid to, like, try to meet new people and try cool things. Because some of the times these people would actually let him do some of the cool stuff. Like, he got to tour a milk farm in, like, Ohio, and he got to go, like, announce a baseball game, like, say say the starting lineup. So um, I just thought there was a good lesson into that. It's just sort of, like, uh, get out of your comfort. It's not a bad thing to get out of your comfort zone and try to meet new people and try new things, even if um, it might seem scary to do that. And that's the thing I'm trying to learn myself. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That's, you know, that's that's super awesome. I feel like, you know, um, a main takeaway from that, uh, you know, after hearing that, I feel like, you know, confidence is key. If you're confident, you'll be able to do anything you want. So, Definitely, like, that's a very, uh, very, um, you know, awesome news article. Or it was video. like a video. It was like a video, yeah. I know. I just found it on YouTube, and I just thought it was interesting. So I'm glad I found it. Definitely uh, got a lot of good perspective from it. Definitely. Well, getting back to some hockey questions now. First one is, what should we be done to help grow women's hockey from your perspective? Um, Definitely from, uh, you know, my perspective. I wish, you know, we had more um, media coverage um, as well as, you know, and, you know, like covering our, our games, whether it's, you know, collegiate games, uh, and NWHL games, Olympic games, um, as well as, you know, I know it might be a little controversial, but, you know, help growing the game in the sense of allowing us to body check. Um, I feel as if even though our game is already very fast paced, I think it will actually make it honestly faster, um, being able to play the body as well as the puck. No, I totally agree with you. I think for refereeing purposes, it makes sense because there's refs that are super strict about it and then there's refs that are loose about it. I've said this multiple times on the pod, but I feel like if a team's really good on the special teams, they can sort of use a strict ref to their advantage and sort of get a lot of power play opportunities and win the game. And I don't think that's the right way to sort of do it. And then if a ref's loose about it, a team that's more physical can sort of push the boundaries a little bit and sort of use it to their advantage. I think it makes the game more fair if you allow body checking. And obviously, like, I feel like it makes no sense that, you know, guys are allowed to hit and girls aren't allowed to hit. It seems a bit sexist to me, but that's also my opinion as well. I completely agree with your opinion. I mean, I, I honestly couldn't agree more. Um, I feel as if, you know, just like you said, you know, teams will take advantage of that and, you know, help help them in the sense of, you know, getting a power play or something. But um, I also feel like it'll make the game, like, like as a defenseman, like much more, like, easier. You know, I played boys hockey growing up. Um, even all throughout, like, you know, before high school and stuff. So learning how to, you know, body check was one of the main goals there at a young age. And I just feel like it'll really definitely help grow the game and make, honestly, the game more interesting to watch as well. Yeah. Have you ever had any big hits that you didn't mean to, obviously, um, in women's hockey? I definitely had a few. Um, (laughs) um, I definitely had a few on me as well. It's Um, bound to happen. Bound to happen. I mean, and, you know, majority of them, uh, you know, other girls hitting me were clean. So, um, but sadly, they did get penalties for it because it's not allowed. But, um, you know, I definitely, you know, would wish um, 
we would uh, definitely shift our game a little bit more and be able to be able to uh, hit because it'll definitely yeah. Sure. I always feel bad though when there's a picture taken of it and a girl's getting like like bodied. Like I always feel embarrassed seeing that. That's always tough. But you know, I I I do think yeah, I agree with you that body checking should be allowed. I don't I don't know why it's not, especially in 2023. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Now, for all the younger listeners that listen to this pod, uh, what advice would you give them on what it takes to make it to the college hockey uh, level where you are today? So. Um, my biggest uh, tip of advice to a younger player would definitely be, you know, to always have fun. Um, almost always, you know, never give up on your goals as well. Um, even when hockey might not necessarily be going your way, um, try to stay positive. One thing I did growing up was actually, you know, have a journal. And, you know, I would always write in my journal before bed or even after a game. And after a game, even if, you know, the game was bad or you felt as if you had a bad game, write down one positive moment that happened either in the locker room, um, during the game, or, you know, something funny that a teammate did or one good play that you made. Um, and, you know, um, always look back on, you know, all those, like, happy and positive moments and use them as motivation and, uh, you know, goals to set. And, you know, write down a goal as well, like, you know, um, or something that you can improve on. Like I accidentally, you know, ice the puck next game, not going to ice the puck um, Mm -hmm. and use it as motivation for sure. Now, what players from your team that, is there any players on the team that we should have on the podcast next? I would tease a little bit. There'll be definitely more interviews uh, with your team in the fall. Uh, So that's a little tease for anyone listening, Uh, but any players that we should have on in the future? Um, I think all of my teammates would be, you know, more than amazing candidates to have on the podcast. Um, but, you know, after me, I would definitely say um, our oh, – she is she is our captain currently, but she will be uh, graduating. Her name is Claire Conway. I think she'd be a great speaker. Awesome. Well, do you have any shout-outs you want to give to any of your teammates, family members, friends, um, anyone that might be listening? Feel free to give them a shout-out now. Um, I would definitely like to shout out all my siblings, you know, without them being by my side and, you know, always um, keeping me in line. I would would not be the person I am today, as well as my parents and all the sacrifices, you know, they made uh, for me growing up, uh, driving me all over the globe for ice hockey. Um, I'd also like to thank both my co- uh, all of my coaches, actually, you know, growing up um throughout my entire career because they've shaped me into the player and person I am today as well as my current coaches um Eliza Kelly Raymond Raymond Rowe Paul Dowdery and uh T Putinga as well as our um hockey um manager uh Mark Clemente and our athletic trainer Sarah Carver um as well as you know the entire Worcester State athletic department and Mike Mudd for making everything possible for us here well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anya. I had an amazing time getting the chance to know you and talk with you today. And hopefully we'll have you on the podcast uh, next season as well in person. That'll be a lot of fun. But uh can't wait to see you play. And good luck uh, for the rest of the season. Hopefully you guys uh, win that championship again. Thank you so much. It was truly um, an honor being here. And thank you for having me. One step forward and another back I will never try to fool ya I'm one heartbeat away from going mad 
Girl, when you look like that Close up, close up I'ma get closer to you, yeah Got me, baby Got me hooked on you once again Girl, I 